Welcome back to the Pro Hope Podcast. What's up, everyone? My name is Penda Jai. I'm the host and the founder. And this week, we are diving into What's Your Fantasy Part 2. <laughs> this episode, I'm sharing a few of my own sexual fantasies and doing a pseudo-analysis of what they could mean. So let's go ahead and get started with our glows and grows of the week. So our glow was obviously the Beanie Man versus Bounty Killers versus Battle. Like, whoa, child, that live had me so fucking lit. I was dancing in my living room, whining, feeling fancy the fuck fine and free. And that was honestly exactly what we all needed during this quarantine. It reminded me of all the basement parties in high school and college doing shit that I had no business doing. I mean, I grew up in Denver, Colorado and trust that, you know, we may have lacked some culture, but we had enough weed <laughs> to keep all the vibes alive. Plus, my mom and sister are both essentially Rastafarian, so trust that the energy was present in my house growing up. But more so, I always talk about using self-pleasure as a means of self-preservation, and this reminded me of what it felt like to know that pleasure has literally zero bounds. It was kind of a gentle nudge towards the infinite heights of pleasure. So, you know, it hasn't always been so easy to tap into this vessel of pleasure during quarantine, and it brought up the harsh reality that for the foreseeable future, the responsibility lies within ourselves to create our own outlets for pleasure, and that may be the new norm. We can no longer expect others or our partners, sexual partners, whomever, to pave the way for our pleasure. So now more than ever, the responsibility is on us to construct opportunities for our own pleasure because we don't know how long this lockdown is going to last and I'm still not ready to risk my life for a dick. So here we are. Looks like the pleasure is up to me. But honestly, the glow is that you and you alone are responsible for the magnitude of pleasure that you receive. And we got to keep that same energy once quarantine is over. Like you set the bar for your pleasure. So our grow this week is the Karen, the new fucking Karen of the week. That's right. Amy motherfucking Cooper, who called the police on Chris Cooper saying he was threatening her life. Like, even though the end result may feel like a successful outcome, given he's still alive, it really validates that this country is still racist as fuck. Like black bodies are still being oppressed. And I don't care if we live in coastal regions, New York, LA, Atlanta, whatever, and have these liberal values, et cetera, et cetera. We are living in the new racism. It may not look like chattel slavery on the outside, but we are being lynched by way of police brutality. We are literally being hunted. And you have to think, would this case have even been brought to our attention had she not abused the damn dog? Like white people, we know they love their dogs. So you have to wonder if she was fired from work and there was all this attention on the case because white people came to the dog's defense or if it was because of the actual fucking hate crime. So if we have to do all that thinking, to me personally, I think that something just ain't right. You know, my mom says, if you want to think one plus one equals three, go right ahead. But I'm going to just go ahead and say over here with my twos. So I bring all of this up for numerous reasons, but mainly because I saw a tweet today from Quinta Brunson where she explains the constant emotional war that Black people live in. You can be having an incredible day full of good fortune, luck, securing all the bags, and then bam, like we find out that one of our brothers or sisters has been murdered unjustly. And just like that, you have to decide literally in that moment, if we put everything on pause and only engage in the conversation, if you don't engage in the conversation, you feel like you're not supporting the cause, you're not standing up for your brethren, 
or you decide to be numb and block out all of the sadness. So it's literally a constant battle of, do I deserve to be happy while my community is suffering? That's how I feel, especially if my happiness is a result of some type of white capitalistic validation. So if your bag and your happiness is literally defined by white acceptance and validation and likes on Instagram, et cetera, is it worth is it worth the expense of your other black brethren literally being being killed by those same white capitalist people? Ah, <sighs> food for thought, you know? But we really have to think on that. But it's just this constant, constant flux that I'm in. It's like you have to stand up for your people, but it's it really makes the space that you can literally live life enjoyably and worry-free and whimsical as a Black person, it makes that space incredibly thin. That's all for our glows and groves this week, you know, pretty polarizing, but both pointing out the ways that joys and pleasure constantly weave in and out of our lives. Let's go ahead and get into the dark meat of today's episode. So last week we spoke about fantasies, where do they come from, what do they mean, and are we brave enough to act them out in real life if they don't subscribe to the heteronormative sexual behaviors that we've been taught. So this week I wanted to get a little bit more intimate and discuss some of my own fantasies and dissect which parts of my psyche or growing up childhood behavior they represent. So first up, I have this intense fantasy about face sitting, and it's a fantasy that I have quite often. So for people who don't understand, face sitting is when a person sits on top of their partner's face, it can be clothed, unclothed, but they are achieving pleasure by rubbing their genitals against their partner's face, including but not limited to the nose, mouth, forehead, shit, the whole fucking thing. So face sitting seems innocent enough of a fantasy, right? But the thing is, I envision myself literally suffocating my partner. Okay, so not until they pass out or anything like that, but to the point that they are struggling for air. So they are handcuffed. They don't have the option to interrupt my pleasure. They literally have limited mobility. So I want to be in complete control of my partner's breathing, all at the expense of me rubbing my vagina on their face. So y'all, what does this mean? Am I a crazy person? Do I belong to the streets? Or do I just really enjoy skin-to-skin contact before penetration? You know, it's a fantasy because whenever I've been set up in this position, I'm really too timid to take the leap into complete dominance. So I know that this fantasy exists within the world of BDSM, but what does it explicitly say about PENDA? So the idea of being sexually submissive can be arousing to people who are always in control outside of the bedroom. I understand this theory. However, I do kind of think there's more nuance to how submissive and dominant roles are personified in the bedroom versus real life. I think for myself in general, like to be an entrepreneur, to literally choose to speak openly about sex and putting myself out there, there is an element of being dominant and bold and taking risk in order to achieve success. So I think overall, I definitely fall into this category. But I'm also definitely falsely submissive in the bedroom out of fear of being judged by my dominant sexual urges. So when I find a partner that I think is equally yoked in terms of their sexual exploration, I'm more inclined to be dominant. But if I find someone is a little bit more reserved in their, you know, sexual performance, I tend to be tend to be a little bit more submissive and let them take the lead. I don't want to like scare anyone away, which is really, you know, works against the entire philosophy of owning your own pleasure. So, you know, no one's perfect. I'm working on it. I'm working on it too. (laughs) But, you know, my submissive side comes out in the form of shrinking myself in order to stay in line with normative sexual behaviors, aka to not scare away my partners. 
So the idea of being in control can, you know, be extremely satisfying due to kind of the taboo nature of rough sex and the sense of authority. And I'm not sure if this holds true for a lot of you, but for myself, these types of role play, including, you know, daddy, stepdaughter, professor, student, boss, employee, all of that role play definitely shows up in my suggested porn categories. (laughs) So what does that say about the videos that I'm watching, right? If the algorithm is leaning into this BDSM dominant role play, authority role play. So sadism and masochism, which are the S and the M of BDSM, are about giving or receiving pain through things like spanking, whipping, humiliation, and lots more. So this kind of play is about radical trust, ultimately, because it's a vulnerable type of play. And that vulnerability really has the potential to arouse. So I think is me fantasizing about rubbing my vagina so forcefully on my male partner's face, almost to the point of suffocation, a display of radical trust and vulnerability. You know, I think I can fall into that analysis. I think I'm always analyzing how trust and vulnerability lead to intimacy. So perhaps my fantasy is really just a projection of the amount of trust that I'm seeking from a relationship, the amount of trust that I aspire to have in the relationship, that amount of trust is going to allow me to sit on your fucking face until you almost suffocate. (laughs) I connected the dots, y'all. That's what it means. (laughs) Okay, let's get into my second fantasy. Okay, so my next fantasy is pretty simple. It's to have my partner insert a butt plug into my anus while vigorously eating me out. (laughs) There are so many sensational, pleasurable nerve endings in the anal region that I want to be greedy and have both vaginal and ass stimulation at the same damn time. Like for some people, this may seem kind of like a novice ass, but not all play is created fucking equal. Like I need someone who's going to be slick with it and just ignite so much fucking pleasure inside of me that the pleasure is excruciatingly good. (laughs) I want to try all the butt plugs, the toys, the vibrators, the balls, the beads, you name it. Like at this point, I want to move beyond like fingers. Okay. I need, I need more vibration or like something, you know, just more texture. So, you know, the thin line between pleasure and pain, right? Like that's, That's exactly what I am looking for. So unlike my first fantasy, I want to completely submit all of my pleasure over to my partner and literally melt into the wet sheets. (laughs) Like I want to be shuddering with euphoria. Is it even an orgasm without a motherfucking leg shake? I don't know. So that's part one of this fantasy, but it's not over yet. I like truly also thoroughly enjoy, (laughs) wait for it, toe sucking. (laughs) I know this one is always up for constant debate, but don't knock it until you try it. Okay. Like imagine his slippery tongue going in and out of my toes until they're fully in his mouth, like fully submerged, just like wet saliva. Oh, (laughs) I might have to stop this recording right now because I'm literally thinking about it, but this has only happened to me once, maybe twice. So please, all of the toe suckers stand up that's right. For real, for real. Foot fetishes. Welcome over here. You know my, you know my contact. But so what do these kind of, you know, two fantasies mean? So fantasies that center around incorporating like a new sexual activity in this case, uh, maybe the anal butt plugs or the toe sucking. 
And fantasies that center around adventure, maybe kind of like having sex on a balcony, CC, uh, Molly and Andrew from Insecure or Public Sex. I love Public Sex. But those kind of fantasies typically have similar genesis. So the feeling of facing, you know, the unknown or trying something new for the first time can give you a thrilling adrenaline kick. And for some people, arousal is really connected to that feeling of adrenaline. So for me, I've skydived, climbed mountains, and I really thrive in adrenaline-filled situations. So there's really no surprise, you know, here that I enjoy the fantasies that I do. So I think there's something special about seeing my partner engaging in something that maybe, you know, other people are turned off by without shame. Like he's getting down with the get down without even questioning or second guessing it. So it's really arousing for me to see this partner equally enjoying the act of something that has typically been labeled taboo. So my last and final fantasy for this episode at least involves... Dun, dun, dun. I never thought I would say this, but it involves voyeurism. So the act of watching or being watched during sex. I know that I've spoken on this topic quite a bit, but I've been approached multiple times by a partner to have someone enter our space and literally watch us while we're having sex. But plot twist, I literally just remembered that I have actually engaged in voyeurism one time (laughs) before. So a sexcapade happened with a partner that I was having sex with. There was a house party. We fell asleep. We woke up the next day. His friend crashed on the sofa. So it turned into a voyeuristic morning after. (laughs) The thing is, on a visceral level, I really wasn't physically attracted to the friend. So I feel that my cells, the literal cells in my body just kind of rejected the whole experience and were like, whoa, sis, new dick, who this? (laughs) But even though I'm extremely comfortable with the friend um, who I actually speak to more now than the guy I was actually sleeping with, I really couldn't muster up the urge to engage with him sexually, even if that meant he simply watched from the sidelines. So in my ideal voyeuristic fantasy, I'm having sex with one incredibly sexy dark chocolate man, tossing me all over the bed with some spanks, some chokes thrown in, while another sexy dark chocolate man, (laughs) can you tell that I have a type or not? But literally, he just sits in a dark corner, just watching, no speaking, no masturbating, just simply enjoying this spectacle. So I like to think of it as a special kind of performance art or an art installation of sorts. So I'm the main event and I want to keep it that way. So in and out of the bedroom, we want what we can't have. You know, the grass is greener, et cetera. We've all experienced this construct. And quite frankly, it's the way our brains work. So any sexual relationship or act that could get us into trouble or be seen as weird or forbidden or gross in, weird, in real life, whatever that means, can be a turn on, similar to what I was saying about the foot fetish. So You know, the long story short is that while you might, you know, learn a thing or two about what you want in real life from your fantasies, from your dirty thoughts, there are many other reasons why we have fantasies and why we construct these imaginary, incredible sexual worlds inside of our minds. So sometimes we just want to experience arousal or other times we are curious about different sexual sensations. Um, But unless your fantasies are illegal... I say dream away. And if you're daring enough, you know, maybe initiate taking hold of that imagination, taking a hold of that incredible, vast, infinite amount of pleasure and get after it in real life. So 
I want to leave you with that. Like I said in um, the glows earlier, you are the one who's in control of how much pleasure you receive, how much pleasure you give. And especially during this time of quarantine, when a lot of us are quarantined alone, we really are dictating how much joy we let into our lives. And, you know, I read something the other day that said we are in control of constructing moments of joy and moments of glee and happiness so that we don't rely on other people to create it for us. So we have to take the lead, become the engineer and just drive that shit yourself. Make it make it for you and know that if anything goes wrong, if you're in a wrong relationship, if you're in a wrong situation, that at least you know you are in control of your own pleasure and that you get to dictate and you decide how and when you use that pleasure, you use that energy. And it's incredible and powerful and you can do so much, so much with it. So I leave you with that. Thanks so much for tuning in to this week's episode. Please like, subscribe, share, all of that stuff. Spread the good word of pro ho and stay tuned for next week's podcast. The next few weeks, actually, we have some exciting guests coming on, some therapists, some sex educators, and it's going to be really rewarding conversations in terms of Black sexual politics and how the personal is political and using Black sexual energy as a means for social equity and taking up fucking space and breaking down oppressive systems. So thanks for tuning in and we'll see you next week. Peace.